Northland Outdoors Radio. Doctor. 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 And doctor. Well, the spring conservation order on snow geese, or the spring snow goose hunting season, as most people call it, is underway. Hunters in Arkansas Missouri have been out in forests hunting this prolific species of waterfowl. And while uh, snow goose hunting in the spring is becoming more and more popular as an activity, some people still don't realize why we have this uh, conservation order or this hunting season in the spring. And it's because of what the geese are doing to their breeding grounds uh, on the tundra. Just what exactly are they doing? Well, we're going to explain it now. And we've even got a doctor on the show to tell us about it. Doctor, uh, Dr. Robert Rockwell. He's a population biologist whose interests have centered on population dynamics, lifetime reproductive success, and genetic structure of Arctic geese and ducks. He's a professor at the City University of New York in the American Museum of Natural History. Uh, first of all, Doc, you may be the most official person we've had on the radio show, Doctor. <laughs> well, I, I, I may be have an official title, but I'm a fairly unofficial kind of guy. <laughs> all right. Well, well and uh, you, people call you Rocky? They do, uh, starting from when I grew up as a very small child in South Missouri down in the Ozarks. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say Missouri right, did I? In the south part, it's usually called Missouri. Missouri, that's right. I actually lived down there for a couple of years when I was real young, down in, in Nevada, Missouri. I'm sorry, Missouri. But, uh, but I grew up on a, on a dairy farm outside of Grove Spring, Missouri. Okay, all right. I didn't learn how to say the state correctly yet, though, but, uh, <laughs> but I'll work on it. Uh, we're talking about snow geese because this, I mean, seriously, this is becoming one of my favorite things to do in the spring. I talked to, a, you know, I grew up hunting waterfowl. I talked to a lot of guys that are into waterfowl. And, you know, you ask, you know, Canada geese became the big thing in the last 10 years. And, and uh, now you talk to guys, what's your favorite thing to do? Do you still like to go after, you know, mallards? Do you like the big Canadas or what? And they, a lot of them are saying snow geese. And uh, we'll talk about some of the reasons why they like snow geese in the spring. I mean, you, your, liber- your limits are very liberal. You can... You you can get an extension tube on your on your gun, so you can shoot more times uh, each time a flock comes in. You can uh, you can use electronic collars. There's a lot of a lot of things you can do in the spring that you can't do in the fall. But what I want to talk about too, what I want to talk about today though, is why we're able to have that season and why we're able to have such a liberal season. I, I shouldn't call it a hunting season. It's the conservation order. Uh, but the, the snow geese are a captivating bird because uh, really there isn't any other duck or goose quite like them, at least in sheer numbers, is there? No, there's not. And I don't think there's any, any species of waterfowl we've got that's quite as adaptable or flexible. And I think that's the thing that we started noticing, I would say, back in about 1984. The, the team that I work with is the Hudson Bay Project, and we've been doing research in the, in the Canadian Arctic on the Hudson Bay lowlands outside of Churchill, Manitoba, since 1969. And in about 1984, we noticed that the population was starting to grow uh, really quickly. And we tried to figure out why that growth was happening. And part of that traces back to actions in the south, down in the Gulf, where I had spent some really fun times with guys from both Texas and Louisiana, uh, particularly Charlie Stutzenbecker from Louisiana, or from Texas, and Johnny Lynch from Louisiana. And what I learned when I was with those guys is that a lot of the coastal marsh that the geese had used had been drained and turned into condos and what have you. And the geese, snow geese, are so flexible, they sort of went like, well, huh, where we normally winter is gone, so let's uh, wonder what that green stuff just north of here is. Well, it turns out it was the rice prairies around Katy, Texas, and Cameron Parish, Louisiana. And once the geese got into eating agricultural crops, they just continued moving north. So what was once a winter-limited species 
suddenly had an almost unlimited winter habitat. They had lots to eat, lots of places to be. The problem is that they were all coming north then, so there were a lot more of them. Well, the situation in the north is a lot more limiting. Um, historically, they were restricted to coastal salt marshes in the Canadian Arctic, and there, there's not a lot of that. And so they very quickly overpowered that, overate it. A lot of people thought, well, geez, once they eat it, then density-dependent regulation will come in, and that'll be the end of the problem. Well, snow geese aren't stupid. <laughs> it's sort of like density-dependent regulation only works if you ruin the area you're living in, and then you stay there. But if you're smart, you ruin the area you're living in, and then you move to another area. And what we discovered by the early 90s was that the snow geese had moved into freshwater marsh. They had not bothered to read any of the papers or books we'd written. <laughs> and uh, they were eating all sorts of stuff that they traditionally had not eaten. But again, they were overpowering it. Uh, when I first started working on these guys in the late 60s and early 70s, the mid-continent was about oh, 1.5 million birds. And today's estimate, the best guesses we've got are in the 15 to 20 million range. So the population was exploding, and we started sounding the alarm in the early 90s. And of course, it takes a while before people start listening, uh, because after all, we're just some scientists in a really remote place in the Arctic. <laughs> we teamed up with um, Bruce Batt from Ducks Unlimited, who put together uh, an event, I believe it was 1996, 96 or 97, where we brought People from the governments of both Canada and the United States, people from the press, people from, that were pro-hunting, people that were anti-hunting into the Canadian Arctic, into La Perouse Bay, which is the little area we work in, and we showed them the damage that was being done. This is really serious damage. It's like 100% removal of all the vegetation, uh, erosion of the, the very thin soil that you have in the Arctic, and the geese not doing very well. About that same time, the geese started moving more and more inland because the geese figured out this is not a good place to be, so they moved. But we raised awareness, and finally, the United States and Canada put together a group called the Habitat Working Group that involved some scientists, some people from the Central and Mississippi Flyways, some people from Canadian Wildlife Service, some people from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, native partners from um, uh, both Indian or First Nation communities and all Inuit communities, try to deal with the problem and come up with some ideas. And after a lot of discussion about what to do, we decided that let's try and reduce the population. And the most effective way to do that is to harvest more adults. Now, people argued with me initially that, well, we could just collect eggs. Well, the catch is if you have a goose that lives, oh, on average five to seven years, and you want to reduce the population, one thing you can do is kill mom. The other thing you can do is take mom's eggs, but because she lives for seven years, you have to take her eggs for each of those seven years, or in a, any one year, you have to take her eggs and the eggs of six of her friends to have the same effect. So both U.S. and Canadian governments, miraculously, the bureaucrats understood <laughs> the logic here, and they said, well, geez, then why don't we liberalize the hunting? And I said, well, why don't we take it a step further? Several of us said, why don't we take it a step further and follow the native tradition? Because when I first started working in the Arctic, I was helped out by some members of the First Nation in Churchill who sort of looked at, at me and other white folks as being a little bit silly for liking to shoot geese in the fall because they pointed out that in the fall, they're not nearly as tasty and fat as they are in the spring. 
And if you think about it, that's true, because in the, in the spring, they've been eating really good agricultural crops all winter and all spring, whereas in the fall, they've been eating little tiny arctic grasses all summer. And so a spring snow goose, to me, is much tastier than a fall snow goose. So the Habitat Working Group came up with the idea of, let's have this season in the spring. When you do that, you run against the North America, or the, 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 the Waterfowl Act. Yeah. Which, which says the framework has to start or stop about March the 15th. And in order to extend it, you have to amend the Migratory Waterfowl Act. That took literally an act of Congress and an act of the Canadian Parliament to do because it's a treaty. And the bureaucrats, of course, decided, oh, well, we can't call this hunting because it's, it's not really hunting. So we decided to call it the conservation order. Not sure who came up with that term, but it was a term that wasn't the term hunting. And therefore, everybody was happy. Uh, from my perspective, as long as guys are going out, guys and gals are going out and shooting more geese, I don't care what you call it. <laughs> right. The idea was to increase the harvest, and the hunter harvest in the spring, in the conservation order, is probably makes up 40% of the annual harvest of snow geese. Some years more, some years less. It depends on... You know, whether there's a good south wind and they blow right through the Dakotas or whether there's a, a north wind and they get stopped and so on and so forth. But I think that uh, the, the springtime hunting of snow geese is, to me, it's a great sport. I've done it several times in North and South Dakota in Nebraska. Uh, I've done it in Texas. It's, it's a lot of fun to do. They're really tasty birds. And from my perspective as one of the ecologists involved in this, the most important thing is we're reducing the adult survival rate. We're reducing the chance of the population to grow. Now, unfortunately, we're not reducing it enough, and the reviews right now are mixed. I'm going to a meeting next week where we're going to discuss it yet again. I think that the, the problem we're confronting right now is that we've got sort of a fixed number of hunters who are shooting as many geese as they want in the springtime. So let's call that just a fixed harvest. It's some number. So if you take that number and divide it by the total number of geese that are there, that would be the percentage that are harvested. Now, for any population, the percentage harvested can control the population's growth as long as it's high enough. The catch is that if the number, that denominator and that little ratio is getting bigger at a faster rate than the upper number is, then the population is going to continue growing. And I'm a little bit afraid that we've reached a limit on the amount of hunter harvest. We've only got so many people. We've only got so many geese that they're going to shoot because North American hunters uh, tend not to shoot things unless they're going to eat them. Sure. I have, I have friends in the north that have told me when I say, hey, why aren't you out shooting more snow geese? And their answer is, if I walk in the door with any more dead snow geese for my family to eat, I'm going to get thrown out. <laughs> more with Dr. Robert Rockwell and snow geese in the spring season coming up next on Northland Outdoors Radio. Your new neighbors are calling. Lake life doesn't have to be just on the weekends. Living at the lake is a real option and it's available now. The Lakeshore Kings are the go-to guys when it comes to real estate in the lakes country. Whether you're buying or selling your home, lot, or commercial property, contact Lakeshore Kings today. You don't have to be in the market for Lakeshore property, but it might be a lot more fun if you were. Contact Steve Leary or Preston Peters of Exit Lakes Realty at 218-821-5655. That's 218-821-5655 and begin your life at the lake today. You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.